Can your fixed income stand the test of time? Markets change, but the role of fixed income shouldn't. That's why for more than 40 years, MFS has stayed true to our traditional approach. We call it essential fixed income. Find out more at mfs.com slash fixed income. Hello and welcome to another episode of Create Loud, a podcast for creatives, period. <laughs> and others, period. Okay, and we know, let's just acknowledge she definitely sounds like death. <laughs> and we're not in the same place and that's not a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, don't want to give you a virus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my week's been good because I just got back from the Game Developers Conference. I was a conference associate for uh, the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. I was one of 400, mm-hmm. and you know, I just was the person that would scan your badge or tell you where the info booth is. It was super fun, but the one thing that everyone warns you about is the GDC plague, which comes from shaking a lot of people's hands and being around a lot of people. So... Um, I need to stock up on my vitamin C next time. Yeah. It was worth it. <laughs> super worth it. Cause I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super great. You should try to come. It's weird. Cause I don't, I don't really think are you, are you much of like a gamer? We, you've never talked about that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to play like the relevant games and stuff because that's super important if you're going to have a career in game audio so you have to know yeah of course the fortnite i just downloaded it and i got a i got a free fortnite t-shirt too so now i really need to play no kidding yeah that's kind of the big one i've kind of wanted to play but i haven't really gotten into it so you know i am more of a movie guy and i watch ridiculous amounts of movies so i guess that's fair yeah i i love movies too like the game industry like i was i was just saying this to Somebody else is like, I feel like I totally have a niche. Is that how you say that, by the way? Niche, niche. I, I hear people say both, but I think it's niche. I'm pretty sure it's niche. I'm pretty sure it is too. So that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going <laughs> to go with. with that. But yeah, like I found a niche in game audio and like, like I cannot praise the community enough with like how awesome they are and how supportive and all that awesome stuff. So I just like I I just got sucked into it early on and I am like all for it, man. Yeah. I mean, I like <laughs> that you're making yourself part of the community instead of just kind of sticking with the community you're part of. Like that's awesome. Yeah. You're like, well, I guess I have to be a gamer now. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, I think it's one thing that I think is is cool about, you know, game versus film. I have noticed that you know, you we, you've you've mentioned that before that the game industry tends to be really friendly and accepting and, and welcoming. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like I'm fine with that part. They, they got that part down, but the part that yeah. I'm not, I don't think that they ever quite have down, or at least my brushes with the game industry uh, as a composer is that I feel like none of them understand the understand music as well. Um, but I feel like they like music more. Like they put a huge value on the music, but none of them quite understand it 
as well as I've noticed that a lot of filmmakers do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Because, I, I mean, like, we bring up Spielberg so flippin' much. <laughs> but, like, he literally said if he wasn't a film director, he would be a composer. Like, I mean, I've I've met more of the audio people, but, like, being able to, to be a CA, as we're affectionately known, um, and meet, like, yeah. programmers and developers and designers, like, but just the whole industry is just like super cool and like it's so true supportive of each other and i love that that's like the perfect place for me well and i follow a bunch of like kind of more well-known composers and like game developer people things like that and a lot of them were at gdc so i was like ooh. oh yeah yeah oh so yeah lucky yeah you. lucky you my week has actually been pretty cool too. I've been um, starting work on Luke's movie, Luke Milhouse's movie that I'm scoring. It's called Lake Seven, oh, yeah. which is perfect timing because he is our guest today. Actually, he's a pretty cool guy. I've worked with him in the past, and he's uh, he really has something that we value uh, that we've talked about. It's that kind of vulnerability in a in a character where. Uh, a character is able to make mistakes and maybe they're stupid and maybe they aren't the best at what they do, but they're still like, they've got a heart of gold. They're like good people. Mm -hmm. It makes that character relatable to the audience, which makes them love the project that much more, you know? So true. And cause I feel like people can relate to a character with, with flaws and with problems more than they can relate to just like yeah. a perfect superhero i mean i was going to bring up captain america but we've seen we've seen the winter soldier he's got problems you've seen winter soldier oh sorry you haven't seen winter soldier oh my i know i'm a disgrace my brother gives me so much crap for it <laughs> oh my <laughs> um yeah but i need to do a marvel marathon if i want to like be worthy to watch Infinity Wars. Have you at least seen Black Panther? Yeah, I saw Black Panther. I mean, is I, I you'll you'll get it. Like continuity wise, you're not really missing anything, especially since you've seen Civil War, right? <laughs> oh no, Rachel. <laughs> I have not. Uh, I told you, I'm a disgrace to the Marvel universe. Those movies like grab me so much. I love them so yeah, much. Yeah, I so love I'm them like, too. So I don't know why. I don't know what my problem is. You know what? After we're done talking. You just just watch them, Rachel. They're on. They're everywhere online. You can <laughs> rent it for like three dollars. Yeah, that's true. Just do it. I don't have any excuses. Um, but but what we were, you were saying with Captain America, like <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, someone that's like a hero with no problems. Yeah. Uh, Marvel does a really good job of of doing that in kind of like a bright and shiny, colorful way. Mm-hmm. DC movies, like I don't know, Batman or Superman, yeah. they do even better. I think. Yeah, I was going to bring um, up Batman because he's more of a like he doesn't even have a superpower. So anyway, um, relatable characters. <laughs> yeah, just people. People love relatable characters. I was trying to think of a not relatable character because even even characters like Batman that are like billionaires have like human parts about them, like they are in love with someone that doesn't love them. And he is also, he, his parents were killed and mm-hmm. like, it's things that happen to that people around us is things that are happen to normal people that, yeah. that people relate to. I think the vulnerability both in characters and in artists is something you need to be able to really perform well or do a, do a convincing job writing or acting or something like that, because you have to kind of, it's almost like you're saying, if I know how to act this way, it's because I kind of have felt this way. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. 
So I feel like if you're acting a certain way, it's like you're telling the world, I know how this feels, or I can imagine how this feels. And that's the, that's where the vulnerability comes from. That's why people don't want to do it. Cause I feel like they're, they're almost like afraid that it's going to show off the part they don't want people to see. Conceal. Don't feel. (laughs) (laughs) I went there. Well, I am proud to introduce our guest. Like we said, his name is Luke Milhouse. He is the director of a bunch of movies on Amazon, including Pegasus Hunter and Whip Brawler. He is currently working on a new movie called Lake Seven and the Golden Gun, which we're going we're gonna to talk about all of those. And I'm, like I said, I'm writing the music for that. And it's pretty good because I've actually seen it. So I'm, I'm one of the lucky few already. Without further ado, here's our interview with Luke. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> We just wanted to just talk about what you do and stuff. And lots of stuff. Good. I'm kind of excited for the stuff part rather than the what I do stuff. What What made you choose filmmaking? Like, what? why this career field? I didn't really have a choice. So I went to, I went to school for theater. I got into doing theater in high school. And then I got enchanted with uh, the Shakespeare Festival and doing Shakespeare. Ooh. And so I went uh, went down and I studied at uh, SUU for four years and tried to be in the festival for four years and never really got in. I, I thought I wanted to own a theater of some kind, like a 99-seat theater or something, and I was going to have my own year-round sleuth of theater. And that just didn't, uh, I don't know, kind of fizzled away after a while. So after I graduated, I, I graduated from Weber, Weber State University, and I came down to Salt Lake City, and I was right in the middle of uh, it was right in the middle of the recession. So it was incredibly hard to find a job, and uh, I knew that theater was not going to pay the bills. So <laughs> you got that I, right. yeah, <laughs> does not pay bills around here anyway. <laughs> so I had done some in between colleges. I had done some video work and worked in TV for a little while. I did uh, I worked in news and some commercial production. And I knew I could do that. I mean, I, I knew you could make money doing that. And I would, I'd rather do that because the auditioning process is such a, I think a monotonous, horrible crap shoot. Yeah. And um, that I just, like I served a mission for two years and I knocked on doors all, all two years. And I was sick of being rejected. <laughs> so just to choose that, choose rejection of the career. I, I was like, yeah. I don't think I want to do that. So, I did, I, and that's I really like eighty percent of being an actor. Yeah, it's probably more. It's probably about ninety to ninety-five percent. Man, so yeah. I, it's it's really high um, fatality rate. Yeah. <laughs> I begged and borrowed for cameras to do short films and to do projects for about six to seven years, and um, got some films done and um, some short films. And work started to pick up a little bit more, and it's not at an amazing rate right now, and I, I don't think it ever will be here in Utah. But it's—I um, mean, th- this is what I kind of do. I do video, and I do—I do film, and I'm trying to do more film than I am video because I can only point a camera at things so many times. Like I can only shoot so many weddings and <laughs> stuff like that. That is just um, you, you want to do other things. You want to tell stories. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. weddings aren't art. You know, 
They are well. They are art. Okay. I think there's a there's a form of storytelling there. Interesting. That actually really really complements several things that you do in films. Um, I guess we're going into theory right now, but uh, shooting a lot of um, a lot of weddings, you realize the importance of montage or doing montages. Yeah. So it's really good mo- montage practice. Um, for when you're trying to tell stories visually um, in films. So I, I picked that up, that, that little piece of training, life training, just kind of set right into filmmaking. I guess everything's kind of relative, I guess. Yeah. So that's the long version. Maybe that's the short version of no, it. That's I don't know. The short version. That's yeah. why that's why I'm in films. I can't think of anything else better to do. I don't want to sit at a, cub- at a cubicle I find it really difficult to have hierarchy above me as a creative because in the instances that I have been a video person, the only solo video guy um, within um, a corporation, you have to go like through the vice president and the president. And also you have a supervisor. So all of your work has to go up the chain and then back down. So I, um, I found that, it, it it would slow you down Two, I got to a point where I could edit faster than I needed to sit there for six hours to eight hours a day. Like I, <laughs> I did not need to sit there because my skill set had improved so much that I might as well have been on salary, but I had to, I had to sit there and I just, I kind of felt it, it stifling. I'm not going to say don't do that. And I'm not going to say there aren't people out there that are, well suited for those types of environments, but I'm just not a company man. Hmm. I just can't, I can't do it. I don't know why <laughs> I have, I have, a, I have a disdain for, for leadership. So. <laughs> well, that's, you know, you do you, man. Like, yeah. Gotta know yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. Do what's best yeah. for you. That's great. Well, that's so, true. um, did you, well, when you, like, decided to have, you know, that's the route you wanted to go, did you have any, like, role models to look after and be, like, I don't know, look up to? Mm, you just wanted to do I, well, I wanted to, I mean, there are people in films that you admire as a kid growing up, and I, I guess I had um, visual role models in that way, but, I like, if you were to ask me for somebody's personality, I would. I don't have anybody, hmm. okay. but there are there there are influencers out there that that I look up to. Like, um, um, I've always thought that James Cameron told it a very interesting type of story. Like, it's always a sci-fi and always a always kind of a, a love story that he tells. I was going to say, yeah, you like Titanic, the classic sci-fi, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he kind of he kind of brought some some sci-fi into it as they were like diving in. They're all they're all yeah. Um, Like at the beginning of the film, and I guess I think of it as a sci-fi film because of the abyss. Sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Prequel, the prequel to it. Uh, Oh yeah. No, actually, it would have been a sequel, wouldn't it? Have you guys seen the abyss? I have no. not. I know the vague idea of it, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners oh. don't. Man, the abyss. If you ever get an opportunity to see that, see the director's cut or the special edition, or whatever it is. Okay. Like uh, the uh, the the story is a little bit more thick. I think it, that was like one of the the very first 
films that had specialized CGI. They animated water hmm. and uh, had a, a water tentacle uh, uh, traveling through the underwater, uh, um, the submarine station that they had. Spoiler. So that was like, yeah, it was yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry if I ruined it for anybody. It's like, hey, go watch but this that, movie you've yeah, never that... seen, and then here's a huge spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But you'll, I mean, you'll get to see like that. Uh, he did Terminator 2 after that and used some of the, the same tech hmm. and uh, came up with the T2000. And so they, as they were both liquid oh, yeah. um, type That's creatures, um, they both complement each other. But yeah, I guess Titanic isn't sci fi. I'm trying, I was going to try and dig into that but i guess it's not um well one thing i've always found one thing i've always (laughs) found really interesting about james cameron is that he kind of takes he doesn't care if a thing doesn't exist like if a method or a technology doesn't exist he's like okay we'll invent it then (laughs) like he's done that multiple times i think find that so funny that he's just like well it i just picture someone going well james no that's impossible no one has been able to do that and then he just goes well (laughs) we have a billion dollars let's make avatar (laughs) Oh, he's a good example as a role model like if as a filmmaker yeah i mean he is really a, he's a revolutionary and um, a pioneer and he's the top of the game you know so mm-hmm. um yeah he was somebody i i i really liked his visual the his visual look and what he was achieving um and i also i mean everybody loves steven spielberg but i enjoyed the films that steven was making because I love the high high um, action adventure, yeah, and the fun that that um, that that those films were like Indiana Jones and mm-hmm. how can you <clears throat> all all of them? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up, those were kind of my, I guess those were my influences, and I didn't really realize it until I wanted to make films. Yeah, and you go back and look at the films that you liked, and uh, I found that Frank Oz. Was he was the director? Oh, um, and yeah, uh, he did uh, several films that you probably have seen, but you didn't know that. I mean, he's the voice for Yoda for anybody that doesn't know. Yeah, and um, yeah, he did he did a ton of Muppet voices, Mm -hmm. but he was also a director. I think he directed The Dark Crystal. I felt um, directed somehow. Like that makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, um, and Robert Zemeckis. Um, who directed Castaway, and um, I, I, I don't know if he... I don't remember who directed Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but whoever directed that. I don't know. I'm kind of old school. I mean, I, I come, I'm an 80s child, and I love... I know it's trendy to, to love the 80s, but I think there was a sensibility back then that we, we super lack right now. Like, there was a substance, sensibility, and a romance that we just don't have in films anymore. And I, I, I hope that we can come back around to that somehow, or, and I can be a part of, of bringing that back around. What know? would you say the closest we've come is in recent years? Well, that's, that's hard because if I were to, if I were to say something that's that huge, I think some of the Marvel films come kind of close to that. Hmm. Like they're kind of camp, they're kind of campy and have that uh, that fun, and they also have a little bit of um, a tinge of moral. But okay. there's just there was just yeah, something about like I don't know if you guys have seen *Romancing the Stone*, mm. 
you guys remember that movie, Romancing the Stone, Kirk I, Douglas? And it's one of those ones where I'm like, I did at some point, but I don't, I don't remember. Kathleen it. Turner. There's, I, there's just a charm about it. It's like it's. It's like an action adventure Three Amigos with less jokes. Wow! So I know you've seen. I know you've seen Three Amigos. Of course, yeah. That's kind of the same era, like with Steve Martin and Martin Short and mm-hmm. and Chevy Chase. There's just something about that. And now, like all the studios, they're going back to the trough to to try and recreate that magic when they don't have that magic. Mm-hmm. Like they they just don't. They don't. You can't recreate that because it was. Yeah. A part of the time and uh yeah i mean we're just different and i think that's one of the reasons that we keep getting the, these sequels and the like reboots. yeah and the reboots because i think people kind of think that the thing that made everything special back yeah. then is the that. those feelings of like yeah, yeah. The, it's the actual it's franchise nostalgia. yeah they're like oh I, those are such good movies and we are like in such a rut right now let's bring those back and but it, I don't yeah, know. I liked the new Star Wars. I don't know about anyone else, but I I loved them a lot. I'm not a big enough Star Wars fan to really. <laughs> I have say. a feeling Luke is like I have a lot to say about this. Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. we have so I think much that, time. well, that's like I think that's a classic example of um, of trying to take that old magic and recycle it and and bring it back. Uh, you just you just can't with Star Wars. Well, I, I let's don't use, think they have. Let's use a more universal example. How about Indiana Jones? Sure. We could agree that the the new Indiana Jones was definitely not in that wheelhouse. Oh, the Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Yes. Yeah, I don't know why they made that movie. Like, I think it didn't make any sense. Every, everyone kind of looks at that movie and goes, "Oh yeah, like oh, yeah. I forgot we did that. Like that we made another Indiana yeah. Jones movie." Oh god! <laughs> they just politely kind of forget it. <laughs> Seriously. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Another Indiana Jones movie. Oh, yeah. So would you agree that that's that's kind of a struggle in your field? Is the that you know that charm is missing? Oh yeah. Um, well, I think as um, as a society, where we we lack charm mm-hmm. right now, so. Um, I mean, we're rude online and we're rude. It, the news cycle is a bunch of rude people and, um, we kind of get brainwashed into, oh my gosh, everything's rude. And like TV is rude. And, mm-hmm. Um, so we, we lack, I think we lack a sophistication when it comes to, uh, being able to access those, those, those pieces of magic. Mm-hmm. So, well, one thing, um, I, one thing and I, I think you do yeah, really well in your films is you kind of create a character that you just want to like, but they're and then this isn't universal, but I feel like they're also kind of dumb a lot of times, which kind of makes them more, <laughs> which makes them more lovable too. But like, it's like you, they're just like their hearts in the right place, and that 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 is a good starting uh-huh. place, I think. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that you uh, recognize that in the films um i think yeah a, a fallible character i think is but with a heart of gold i think that's kind of yeah. what we all maybe us uh, us guys strive for i don't know yeah, maybe we do <laughs> <laughs> i hope so well and and let's let's tell, good, the, tell the good people about your movies because we, yeah, we uh, they're it. great yeah I, and they're like just the premise honestly of, of some of your films are so good <laughs> 
the the first feature I did was supposed to be a short film, and I had I had the idea for it because uh, I was watching. Uh, I, I had a hankering to play uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and I used to love that game. And I, I was just thinking about what if there was a short film about a guy who wanted to be in an MMA match, and uh, he knew somebody from the Make a Wish Foundation, and he had some hookups. So he arranged a, a cage match, you know, arranged training him and uh, arranged a cage match for him, but ultimately just pulled a prank on him or something. So I guess I don't want to give it away uh, what what happens in the in the film, but there's a uh, um, whip brawler, which you can find on Amazon Prime, um, is about uh, a, a, an accountant who wants to be in an MMA match. And it's about his training and his family, and uh, it's a it's a mockumentary. And when I when we got done filming, I started editing, and I thought, oh my gosh, I, we have about an hour worth of pretty dang good footage. Well, like maybe we should just shoot thirteen to fifteen more minutes, and we'll have a feature film. Yeah. So <laughs> we came up with like two more, two to three more scenes to do, and um, got a little more heart into the story and a little bit more of like a moral premise to it. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it came out as a, as a feature. It's, I mean, I shot it for probably 50 bucks, so don't judge me if you see it. Like it's really low budget. I'm not denying, not denying that. The thing Um, is, this is a, this is the interesting thing. I mean, I, I think the way that you use improv in your films is kind of genius. It's something that you don't really see a lot of, you should, I mean, tell, tell, this is kind of amazing. Tell the people how you've, uh, tell the people, tell the, all the people, all, all of our millions of listeners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, for all you 30 people out there, uh, what, what I do or what I did with the first two films I did is I, I came up with an outline and I came up with a cast of characters and for, for, for whip brawler, what I did is I cast the characters and we had a, um, a rehearsal we just sat down and I asked family dynamic questions to the characters and had them uh, had them talk about it so when we got on set they would have the opportunity to they, they would have that base that base knowledge and uh, be able to create more dialogue off of uh, off the backstory of the character rather than just trying to figure it some people can figure it out like on on set that's great for them but I wanted to set up a set up a, a, a flourishing environment. So um, we just I had scenarios and I said, okay, let's go and let's see what happens. All right, um, let's do it again. But I'm going to shoot it from this angle. Okay, that was cool. I want to get this thing again that you just did. Um, how about you try this uh, this way? And they would just create dialogue and create interaction. Like there was a, um, I guess that one of the craziest scenes that we shot in that was um a dinner scene and it has one two three four five six six characters six or seven characters it's about an eight minute seven minute long scene and i i said okay i want this to happen then i want this to happen then i want this to happen like uh, i want there to be a phone call and he gets the phone call to find out who he's going to fight so we got to go from here to here to here, and um, we just kind of shot portions 
until we filled filled from A to B to C, and um, it actually turned out really well. There were some super subtle jokes in there that I found while I was editing that I was like, oh my gosh, how oh, can really? I slip this in? It's, wow. Yes, it's amazing. Like there's some like, uh, um, there's a story that um, Rosalie and Phil come up with that's basically they're they're a nerd couple and they play um um dungeons and dragons and they're totally offended that some somebody was trying to teach their kids a sport and so <laughs> like peewee football and that's they're embarrassed amazing. to tell the rest of the family that their kid is at peewee football camp so like they flip this whole thing and it's just oh it's so funny. So there are so there are like subtle little nuggets all over the film that um, I had to realize later because I was concentrating on how do I where I need coverage. I need to get this and I need to get this. So, um, yeah, that's Whip Brawler. Um, and then Pegasus Hunter was a little bit more structured, but it was also I had I had a friend. Um, that said, uh, hey, there's a documentary on uh, Nat Geo about mermaids. And it's like, it looks like a totally legit documentary. And I think that we should create a series of mythological creatures documentaries and sell them to Nat Geo. And I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. He's like, you should you should uh, try Pegasus first. I was like, interesting. Okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> So I had like, if you see my outline, I have like a, a nucleus of ideas and then I have things that branch off of it, what I thought could happen with the story. But I basically try and tell it as like Pegasus is a mythological creature, but there have been sightings on Earth. And there is a guy that believes that, um, named Chad, they believes that his childhood dog was killed by pe the Pegasus. And oh. so he has sought revenge on him for the past 15 years. Oh my gosh. And it's, and it's kind of destroyed his, like it's degraded his poor little life into this, you know, he lives in a, a trailer that's outside of his mom's house and his father-in-law comes by and, and uh, tries to kick the cord out of the side of the house that gives him power to the, <laughs> to the trailer. And, uh, and, and this was all like, I just had this idea and uh, um, Jason and I would talk about, Jason plays the lead character, Chad. So we would talk on the phone and we would um, come up with, well, what if Chad did this? What if, what if, you know, he, uh, what if this happened? Or what if he went to the arcade? Like, what if he trains at the arcade for this? Like, um, just all these sorts of different things. And we would go and we'd film it. And then we'd sit back and go, okay, what else do we need? All right, we need, um, we need some, like, we need some heart here. So let's have a sit down with Chad and like talk about um, why he's hunting the Pegasus or like how it feels when people bully him about his blog or, you know, stuff like that. So, um, and yeah, he has, he has a little dumb, like, like Cody said earlier, but I think that, that, that vulnerability gives you access to him. That's why mm -hmm. Superman is so hard to write and to mm -hmm. and to film because he's he's basically a god. Mm -hmm. So 
what you know when they when they filmed the man of steel they stepped back a little bit and made him vulnerable i thought that actually kind of worked like he is not incredibly strong um he still had fallibility and was still learning and, and that's what makes like batman such a good character is yeah. like he is an extremely flawed you know but yeah. and we can all access his pain and his anger and and um we we identify with justice and uh, street justice and things like that. But um, so making like a character have a little bit of a dumb side and a little bit um, a d- dumb and an edge, I think at the same time uh, really, really works for, for Chad and for um, uh, a character in general, but that's Pegasus mm-hmm. Hunter. And you can see that whole adventure on, uh, on Amazon prime as well. I want to check those out. Those sound awesome. You should. And a little plug for myself. I actually wrote the music for that. Yeah. That one. You said Pegasus Hunter. Ah, yes. Like, hey. Let me let me tell you about let me tell you about that process because that was the first time I had had the opportunity to work with like with with a composer, and um, I quote unquote hired Cody (laughs) 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 to to do this. And, um, so we shot the film and I think I, if, if I remember it correctly, I laid it down and I send you a, sent you a, a rough cut of it and kind of had a little bit of a phone spotting session and said, Oh, we want this here and maybe something like this here and maybe some intense stuff over here and something that sounds intense, sent you some samples. But when I started putting the music in, it kind of rounded the film off. Like it gave it this tone that it just did not have. So it was, uh, it was so interesting to work with somebody that was talented in, in, the in music to be able to do that and to, uh, to sculpt the rest of the film, which I was not expecting, uh, the, that type of result. So that was, that was a pleasant surprise in working with Cody. Well, the, the weird thing about that was, so films like that, I mean, the style that everyone's used to, like if you've, if you've seen like The Office, mm-hmm. has kind of a similar feel mm-hmm. to that where it's like there's a little interview with someone and then you'll see them like doing something else or something like that. Yeah. It's kind of a similar feel to that in that kind of regard. But I had, I've been so ingrained with that stuff with no music yeah. that I had no basis yeah. of what it, supposed to, what it was supposed to sound like. <laughs> so I struggled and struggled trying to figure out what does this sound like? I don't know because I've never heard it before. So it was kind of weird <laughs> to kind of just invent that. I've, I would kind of took it out of my own head, which I'm not used to. Usually like, oh, sci-fi, this is probably going to have this. Or, oh, this is a horror movie, so it's probably going to yeah. have some of this. Yeah. But it was kind of weird to just have a fresh look at that. Mm-hmm. What's the strongest emotion you felt experiencing someone else's art? Well, here, here's um, something that impressed me last night while I was watching the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> go on. Like I, <laughs> um, there's Justin Timberlake sing, singing "I Got This Feeling in My Body," and uh, he's like jumping up the steps, and everybody around him is singing. I don't know how many people were in that um, that stadium. But I can imagine, as he's saying, everybody now, or something like that, that everybody knows that song and everybody is singing. And I, I feel like that is that is a super interesting premise to me with the, uh, the power of, of music and how influential it can be 
and how healing and how um, unifying just one, one three-minute song could be if we all knew the lyrics. So I don't know. There was like 100 million people watching the Super Bowl last night. Probably 50 million of those people knew it, knew that yeah. song, at least had heard it, and probably singing along in their head. Then you had the people singing along there at the concert. I, um, a concert setting like that where people are singing the same song uh-huh. is just that's that's powerful to me. I don't know if film can film can do that, but I know music can. Wow, sounds like you're in the wrong line of work, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's actually well, a really not, good that's singer. Why you create, <laughs> yeah, you create this. You create the song at the end of the film. There you go. To then go on the radio. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. We've done this. Remember, I've worked with you before. This is a process. <laughs> I just listened I just listened to a, a YouTube video. I don't remember the name of the author, but she was talking about the five second rule. And it, it kind of sounds like, you know, you drop a piece of food on the ground and you have five seconds to pick it up before it goes bad. Yeah. But really the five sec the five second rule was um you have five seconds to count down in your brain to stop yourself from hesitating to do the thing that you need to do or the to do or to take the risk or to move forward. So I started implementing that rule and uh, recommending that people like the, the girl that I'm dating, I'm like, well, Hey, here's this video. Check this out. Um, because when you count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, it interrupts your like fear coping mechanism so you don't have the opportunity to concentrate on being afraid of the thing that you need to do. Hmm. So you go five, four, three, two, one, and then just launch yourself into whatever it is you need to do. And it can be simple, like getting out of bed in the morning. Like if you you want to hit the snooze button, just say five, four, three, two, one, and launch yourself out of bed. Or um, if you don't want to go to the gym, as soon as you have that thought, five, four, three, two, one. Just get your butt up and go to the gym. Wow, that sounds so I terrifying. Thought, <laughs> I know, but also incredibly useful, right? Because yeah. I, I, I want, to, I want to be a higher output individual, and I struggle with that because I'm a lazy artist. So to have something like that, try and implement that in in my brain or in somebody else's brain, whatever. Um, I think is extremely valuable. So check it out. Five. Five second rule, totally yada yada. For sure, and we'll post that on our on our social media pages, so everyone can take a look at that as well. Yeah. So awesome. you you mentioned we can find <laughs> your stuff on Amazon Prime or stuff. Wow. Mm-hmm. Your films. Um, a film. Can we can we follow you on social media anywhere? You can check out my YouTube page. It's Milkwas Movies. M I L L Q U A S Movies. Okay. You can see all my short films and my uh, Star Wars fan film, which is probably my most beloved film right now. <laughs> yeah, just subscribe on there because I have some new content coming out. And um, I'll be posting about my new film, like Seven and the Golden Gun, which will be coming out in hopefully May or June. And it's about a security installation technician that gets blackmailed into stealing a valuable video game controller. Oh. So uh, like a... Um, like a duck hunt gun, only it's for um, it's for a game called Chicken Shot, <laughs> and it's gold plated. 
gosh. So, yeah, and it's so this one is is a lot different than the other improvised ones. This one's actually a scripted one, and we shot it over the summer on the weekends, and then we took a two month break, and then we picked up I think five or six more days of shooting in November and October. Um, so it's a full length film. And I don't know where that's going to debut or preview, but yeah, if you find us on uh, on Facebook, Lake Seven and the Golden Gun movie, um, you can get updates on that. And we would really appreciate the the support and help because it's it's kind of difficult to be uh, an independent filmmaker at this level. So we don't have stars in our <laughs> uh, in our films, and we don't have a lot of money, and uh, we're just trying to make the the dream happen. So yeah. any help is appreciated yeah well we'll share those links on our facebook page and uh Mm -hmm. we'll make sure to send people on over there uh thanks so much for your time today luke we really appreciate it and you bet yeah i appreciate you guys thinking of me and having me thank you Bye. well i'm totally going to look up all those um awesome projects of luke's you should but um anyway speaking of social media are you Rachel? <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking of which, um, make sure we'll make sure to share um, Luke's like a link to Luke's um, like website and stuff. And then, but in order for you to to find that, you'll have to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and the big three, the big three, the triple threat of social media. And all you got to do is just search create aloud and boom, you'll be there. Yeah. Or head to our website because we'll have links to all those. It's create loud.us. Yeah. You follow us. We won't lead you astray. Well, and the big one too. Don't forget. We want to hear from you specifically. So send us an email at create loud at gmail.com. If you have any questions, suggestions for episodes, or if you're really lonely. And you're eating a TV dinner in front of a you, documentary about pennies or something. <laughs> if you need a friend, just email us. <laughs> Rachel will be your friend, not me. I, I will be your friend. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, not me. I have, I have plenty of friends. So. <laughs> oh, all right, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week and keep on creating. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there were over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Did someone say brunch? Leave the egg hunting to the kids. We'll have even more fine hunting for your brilliant brunch, Riesling. Ham's sweet and salty richness pairs perfectly with sweeter wines with bold fruit. How about a juicy Pinot Noir? Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! Right now at Banana Republic Factory, save big with 50 to 70% off the entire store. Plus, take an extra 50% off clearance. Stock up on dresses and polos starting at $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.